Welcome everyone. I'm, I'm delighted to have uh, Sally Guy from WCC here today. We're going to be talking about um, the human aspect of contracting, uh, which is a subject really dear to my heart. Sally, do you want to introduce yourself and introduce WCC? Alistair, thank you very much indeed. Yes, I'm delighted to be here with you. So uh, I'm Sally Geyer and I'm the global CEO of World Commerce and Contracting. Uh, we are a nearly 25-year-old now uh, not-for-profit organization headquartered in the US, but with a global membership. Uh, we have around 80,000 members around the world now. And as a professional body, we have a vision statement of a world where all trading relationships deliver social and economic benefit. So really everything that we do, the training and education, the research, uh, the community that we foster is all with that big vision statement in mind. Great. Um, and uh, look, I, I work with you since Psych started eight years ago, when it wasn't even called Psych, it was just me. Um, it's been great working together. I, 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 we were just discussing before we start the recording about um, the organisation, and I think it, you know you guys have achieved really great things. Um, as someone who's interested in subject matter, I think all, there are two things that stand out. One is the sense of community, which is really strong um and a network of people working in similar roles who are available and very happy to pass on the benefit of their knowledge and experience and help each other out really with similar subject matters and i think also the depth of information that's available and depth and quality uh, i still today having done the job or, or been in the industry for um at least 20 years probably longer um, I still use it as my first reference point, so um, it's really helpful. Uh, if I'm training AI how to use a contract, how to review a contract, I'd be looking at some of your best practice guidelines as a, as a start point, so um, it's great. Um, today, we're going to talk about the human side of contracting. Um, just to briefly introduce the subject, I think we've been having some great discussions over the past couple of weeks about um, how the human the human aspect of contracting is often not um, doesn't receive much attention um, it's never part of a business case to improve the contracting process to digitize the contracting process it's um, something that is, doesn't actually get discussed too often formally but actually informally it's discussed all the time because whether you're a user of the contracts process or you're a participant um there's a lot of dissatisfaction dissatisfaction yeah. it's, it's regarded as dysfunctional not user friendly uh, so I, sally give me a give me your thoughts on the subject well, there's so much to say on this, Alistair, and I think I'm going to go back to what you were talking about in terms of World CC and the community, um, and you know, back to our origins. I mean, the Tim Cummins founded the association back in 1999 because he recognised that there were these sort of pockets of people who were doing contracting, whether it was 
on the buy side or the sell side, pre-award or post-award. Um, and, and, and they were just operating in splendid isolation. Mm. So the the association was founded to provide that home and provide a community um, and also to, to create that sort of educational awareness as well and a common body of knowledge. But it's really fascinating as that community has grown over the last 25 years, the importance that it holds for every individual that that participates and we we were we were touching on that talking about how valuable people find the events and find the uh, whether they're in person or virtual coming together and yes you know it's a very sharing and caring community so providing that recognition for people who work in this space in the field of commercial and contract management has been really, really important. So, you know, the human element has always been really at the core of everything that we have done and do as an association. But you're right that 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 human element, sadly, does seem still to be uh, lost, lacking. You know, what we know from our research, and again, it's so lovely to know that that research is powerful for you. Um, there's so many data points that that I could cite now. But we know, for example, that the number one priority for our community is to deliver strategic value. That that's a d- desire that that individuals and, and teams have to deliver strategic value to their organization. But they're constrained from doing so because of operational overload. People mm-hmm. are burdened and struggling and you know yes unfortunately we forget about that user experience uh, that that professional experience and it has a huge and profound impact we know that somewhere in the region of 40% of this community is planning on exiting their role over the next two to five years. Now, of course, in some instances, that's going to be because people are retiring or, um, you know, they're using this role as a stepping stone into something else. That's true. But there's a big cadre of people who are fed up, who are really, you know, burned out and and they're, they're dissatisfied with the fact that they are not being supported effectively to address the operational overload that they're experiencing and they're not then they don't feel valued and, and a big driver of that operational overload from my own experience but also um, it might not be formally discussed at your member meetings and the and, and the summits that you hold but it's certainly discussed um over coffee and the perhaps afterwards in, in more informally is is that Often, with particularly within large organisations, the contract process is so dysfunctional. Yep. Um, I mean, I used to, I sometimes give a presentation about my time at ASDA and what prompted me to try and engineer um, improvement to the contracts process. And one of the things, by way of example, I I always say is that the when I was back at ASDA in 2012 sort of uh, Damocles hung over every contract. So I'd, I'd work for months to get something, uh, you know, from inception to drafting it to 
working with the various stakeholders to negotiating it. And then we go to the approval process and someone somewhere would kill it. And that's so dispiriting all of that time and effort wasted. Um, but, you know, that's a, that in itself is one example. It's a product of dysfunction. Yeah. Why not put the approvals at the outset, for example? And yet it remains today in 2023, nearly 2024, standard practice that approvals come at the end. At of the, the very end. Yeah. So that, that's just one example. It is really annoying. And, and then I, I think the point that I was making, you mentioned user experience, but um, I, I guess the users of a contracting process, the internal customers, so not your community members, but um, uh, the people who would be engaging with the legal and the contract management function. Um, it's so, it's such a bewildering process because yeah. you know they 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 come to the team with a deal, um, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, enthusiastic that they are furthering the interests of the company and probably their own interests too. And suddenly they're met with what is often a, a Byzantine, I know. Um, incomprehensible process that they have to deal with, you know, possibly for the first time, or maybe it's irregularly, they have to deal with, you know, bizarre legal language and jargon. Uh, they have to go through this horrendous um, process of interacting with often lawyers to draft a contract. Um, the, the horrendous and totally illogical redlining process to deal with, where yeah. they'll be sent like a redlined version of a contract to say, are you happy with this? I don't even know what it means. Yeah. And then the approval process. And, and then... Um, even when everything's done and dusted, it's signed. What happens to the contract? And you know, the reality is it goes <laughs> somewhere in the ether. We had one customer who came to us and said, Look, I want to create a contract database. And we said, Well, where are your existing contracts? And they said, They're spread across everywhere. The yeah. But, but I, I, to which I said, Well, do you use e signature? Do you use DocuSign? Yes. And do you sign all your contracts via DocuSign? Yes. Well, they're all on DocuSign. So you have them in one place. So this is the like absolute crazy thing is they actually had all of their contracts in one single repository anyway. They just weren't using it. It's they just, just, yeah. It's so, I, it, it's it, is, it is incredibly fascinating i mean we we talk about contracting being the least reformed business process in any organization yeah. and that is because uh, as you have observed it is so utterly fragmented it's got you know the contracting process when you look at it in its fullest form and again you th you have to consider it that in organizations you've got a, a buy side and a sell side you've got a pre-award and a post-award and you've got so multiple different owners of different parts of the process and it's fragmented siloed and really difficult to to create that sort of clarity and that golden thread that needs to run through all of that you know we do see higher performing organizations really focus on that process and integrate a lot of 
those the, the buy sell pre post activities. Um, to your point about the user community, I mean, yes, that, that is that's absolutely true. And again, our research tells us that on average, an organization has about 26% of its workforce in somehow, somehow involved, engaged with the contracting process. That's a lot of people. And that's a lot of people who won't have had a legal education, for example. And yeah, the, you know, we we talk about designing for users in so many contexts, uh, but unfortunately, contracting isn't really one of them. And then, yeah, the, and I could I could talk and wax lyrical about design and simplification, not just of contract terms, but of the processes that you get people to um, participate in and and use as well. So certainly, that's a, a really really important element. And then you, know, you also, yes, you touch on the um, what happens when the contract gets signed. You know, if you're lucky enough for the contract to get signed, where does it go? What, what you know, that too many organizations celebrate at that point of contract signature when, you know, the work hasn't even started, although it feels like because we've gone through a gargantuan and tortuous process of getting to signature that that's the end of the road but of course you know again our research tells us value is won and lost in that post-award environment Absolutely. um yeah it's logical um and I, see you've said to me in the past um when you are when you engage with your members um I think that and, and you talk about driving digital change um, and improvement, that one of the obstacles to that is the fragmented nature of the process, that there's no single oath. And, and it's definitely the case if you look at the high performing teams that we're both aware of. I think it's fair to say in most cases it's due, usually due to one or two inspirational individuals who are Absolutely. just they just get out there and they bring everyone yeah. together and, yeah and, uh, but but likewise I think it's interesting that that often when those individuals leave or move on everything falls apart again yeah um I think um we discussed trying to influence the community and trying to make change I think that the way forward is actually to be less reliant on magical individuals and more reliant on saying to the contracting stakeholders, put the user first. Yeah. Put the user first. And because I think actually then then ownership becomes less of an issue. And you're just saying, okay, look, from a from a you know, from a sales or procurement professionals perspective, someone who's a regular user of the contracting process, they just want to get their deal done yeah. quickly. Yeah. And then optimally, they would want to have access to their deal to be able to manage it on an ongoing basis. And really nothing else matters to them. The the, the contracting process is just a, something that helps them achieve that. And so we need to get it as slick and simple as possible. Yeah, you and, need to empower people. You know, that that is people want to be able to self-serve in this environment. It's really important. So, you know, that that responsible empowerment is a, a, a really 
important element of of a role of a contracting professional i think i think the other thing alistair that i was i've been thinking about in all of this as well is is how how people feel about the about the experience and you 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 know you talked about the negotiation and you get you know you you you're really excited because you've done this wonderful deal for your organization and and you you go to your contracting team whoever they might be and and it becomes this horrible dreary process and you know, we go back to education. I mean, you know, I, like you, trained originally as a lawyer. I remember my contract law modules being all about failure. It was all about every all these terrible things that had gone wrong. And again, we know from our research that our community has this kind of preventist approach that they believe that their role is about preventing bad things from happening to their organization and that comes with it a kind of a sense of oh i don't know depletion and and demoral you know being being demoralized it's um but it's because it's the way people have been educated in this space that that's that's what they've got to do stop bad things from happening you imagine if you change that mindset to one which is my role is to create fabulous outcomes for my organization, the people within it and the organization as a whole. It's a completely, you know, it's it's a reverse mindset, but it's a really powerful and wonderful one. If we were thinking about outcomes and how, you know, how do I, and I, I use this phrase all the time, you know, we, we contract for the divorce instead of for the marriage. Yeah. How do I turn, and create and and you know how do organizations create an environment where the outcome comes first and designing for success outweighs the fear of mm. failure yeah I, I, it's a, get what you're saying it's a it's a cultural shift isn't it yeah. it's a it's a positive mindset um and a far happier place to be a far yeah. nicer environment for humans to be working in when you're really focused on the positive rather than this fear of failure constantly yeah i mean what 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 you described is interesting because i i believe some of our um some of your members some of the people we work with would regard value creation in that context as stealing a march on on a on the third party they're negotiating with by including things or red, you know, sneaking things in through a red line. That's not what we're talking about, to be clear. We're talking about value creation through yeah. getting a deal done quickly, yeah. making being transparent and open, making yeah. the, the contractual data available for ongoing management, having healthy discussions about success and failure based on yeah. objective information rather than um i think that's something everyone can get behind and, and and it's interesting to to go on to the next point which which we made while we were prepping is you never see any of this stuff in a business case do you it's, no. it's all about efficiency or you know we're gonna we'll be able to get rid of these people or cost savings cost yeah. yeah um and yet that's maybe why so many of these um improvement programs particularly the big 
CLM digitization programs. That's that's maybe why they fail, is because they they're not they're not putting they're not, the user they, first. Yeah, no, they don't think of uh, because because the, you know you're a customer of the contracting process. Like it doesn't really you're you're not really too fussed about whether the legal or contract team becomes more efficient or not. You, you know, you probably like Fred, who is your contract liaison point. You don't want them to get rid of him. That's, there's no there's no interest in that. That's that's not something to get behind, is it? Yeah. But, and, but, and as a user, you want Fred to be a happy, smiley person um, who's, you know, eager and willing to support as opposed to coming with the woes and moans and groans of how difficult life is and, you know, how how uh he hasn't got time to help yeah so i think just you know my my ad would be just um trying to make i mean it's a noble objective isn't it but if i was starting a change program in a large contracting function now i think one of the key objectives would be just as um my ex-boss alex simpson gave me this objective when i was at asteris Try and make this thing as easy to use as an iPhone. Yeah. No yeah. training required, totally logical process, totally user experience focused. Yeah. And that's something everyone will naturally get behind. Completely. Um, Completely. And you know, you'll end up with with an environment of probably far greater compliance because you're making it easy for people yeah. um so you know you're you're actually achieving the outcomes that you will you would want and and need to achieve and you know i think it is really interesting i've thought about it a lot since we started talking about this is sort of you know why isn't why isn't the employee experience a, a factor in a business case for digitization it's it's actually it's bonkers <laughs> that it isn't yeah so i guess the call to action is probably let's let's i think for everyone for for all the members everyone watching this i, I do think if you're if you're thinking about or you're you're already embarked on um, a contract process improvement program, a CLM program, a, a digitization program. I guess it is. Um, I I think it's critical to to think user first, and I I think if you do that and you capture that in a a sensible design. You can't really go far wrong. I think it's the, the, the process, the project, the improvements far more likely to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And, you know, you're far more likely to retain um, and gain the the team that that you need. And that's, a, you know, a really important element that we talked at the beginning about the churn of people, the the. Uh, mass exodus and and this is an environment that can't afford a mass exodus of people because people are absolutely critical um you know all of the ai conversations at the moment and and the 
the the prospect of AI replacing everybody, I, I find it, it extraordinary. Yes, you know, definitely it's going to be a game changer and it's going to, if used correctly, improve actually what we do. But the humans remain a really, really critical element of this entire process. And and we have to make sure that we're creating an environment where they can be successful. Yeah, I I always keep I keep on telling people that yeah, AI is theoretically helpful. Certainly it's very helpful to me in my day job. But I think the challenge is, you know, who's going to tell the AI what to do? Yeah. Um, it, you know, our experiences of looking at um, the, the contracting processes of your members is that they're, they're generally, from a design perspective, they're deficient. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lack of objective, there's a lack of continuous improvement, there's no measurement, there's no human-centered design. So I think AI is going to be helpful, but you know, we need to think about what we're going to ask it to do. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah um, absolutely. Great. That's been wonderful. It's been great to have you on the podcast. Well, lots, lots more. This conversation can go on and on. But thanks, Alistair. It's been really lovely chatting. Great. Thank you, Sally.